and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Brian Dilks, and I'm joined by the Tom Huddleston to my Jean-Michel Serry. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very good, thank you. It's um, I know you don't like me mentioning the weather, but it's getting hot. I've been in the garden all day. I might have heat stroke and sunburn. Um, I've not had much water, so I, I, I could either pass out or start gurgling and talking gibberish at some point in this podcast. With regards to heat strike, I think that's very much a possibility because looking behind the curtain, dear listener, when it comes to recording podcasts, most <laughs> professional podcasters will turn off the AC or close all the windows in whichever room they're recording in, mm-hmm. like us, for example. However, on the spin side, that does lead to the rooms getting very, very hot very quickly. I've had my window closed for about five minutes and it's already getting very, very stuffy in here, Justin. Is it the same in your room? Yeah, you just start to feel yourself getting really <laughs> moist. No. Um, you, start, you start to sweat, to put it in simple terms. Obviously, we've got I've got lights either side of my laptop, so I've got screens, my laptop's on. The heat, it, it just turns into a mini oven when you're recording. And obviously, this is one of the pitfalls, but we would do anything to give our listeners what they, what they need. You know it's going to be a good podcast when we've been in for a minute and Justin Peters already said the word moist. Welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. What we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, is a news update from everything that's been going on in the championship from the past seven days. Plenty for us to talk about, including manager changes... Bizarrely, we're only three weeks before the season starts and already we've had managers change. Um, and of course, transfers has been plenty kicking off, as always, in the second tier. So we'll get on to them in the second half of the show. But we'll kick things off in the first half with managers. And Carlos Corbran has resigned as head coach of Huddersfield Town. In a statement, he said it's been a difficult decision, but one I gave a lot of thought to and have made based on my great affection for this club. The BBC is reporting that Corbran had been concerned about the lack of resources that will be available to him for the coming season. Shocking news though, Justin. What have you made of it all since it kicked off in the last couple of days? Yeah, well, I mean, it came out of the blue, so I was shocked to say the very least because when you get to this point in pre-season... It, it, it's unheard of to, to for clubs to change managers. I know the circumstances surrounding Steve Cooper and Swansea last season were slightly different, um, but it is genuinely unheard of. Um, and it's a really bad time to change because some teams have been in pre-season for two weeks already, other teams a week. But nonetheless, you start to kick up a gear at this point when you get to sort of three weeks before the season. And Huddersfield would have been no different. <laughs> now, with recruitment and what have you, I have been surprised that things have been quite slow with Huddersfield, but I'm I, I'm sure that Carlos Corbran would have known what the budget would have been weeks ago. So as soon as that budget comes out, uh, you know, why don't you start to write your resignation letter then rather than now? It's the the timing seems bizarre because as I say, clubs talk about budgets straight after a season finishes and I know they had the playoffs, but that would have been a conversation that happened um, quite soon. But yeah, as I say, I'm very disappointed because I like Carlos Corbran a lot. I really do. And it seemed like a good fit with Huddersfield. Yeah, it did seem like a good fit. And that was the main reason why I thought Huddersfield could not replicate what they did last season, but at least give it a bloody good go. I imagine he's probably gone to the Huddersfield board and said, look, 
what I did with the modest budget last season. We were a couple of dodgy penalty decisions away from the Premier League for crying out yeah. loud. Now imagine what I could do if you gave me a couple million more to spend. And you look at the business Huddersfield have done so far. They've signed two players who weren't even regulars playing week in, week out in League One and a free agent who only played a handful of games for Millwall last season. So you can certainly understand the frustration that he's had um, from his end because despite him accomplishing marvellous things on uh, a respectably small budget last season, um, Huddersfield haven't shown the ambition that he's clearly showing, which is a shame on their behalf. I think... From Corbrand's perspective as well, he's been heavily linked with a move back to Leeds as part of the coaching staff there. I wonder if in the back of his mind he's thinking Jesse Marsh may not be longing for the Leeds United job. If he gets sacked, then he may take up the uh, head coach role because he was being linked with the job after Marcello Bielsa was sacked last season. So maybe that's part of his thinking, but... I can understand it. I think it is a bit of a shame, though, from a Huddersfield perspective, Justin. I suppose now's an appropriate time to once again pay tribute to the job. He's done that, though. Well, exactly. Um, I mean, we can be frustrated at everything because of the situation that's that's occurred. And obviously, there are players that are linked away with moves from Huddersfield as well. But you only need to understand exactly what sort of job Carlos Corbin has done by looking at everybody's pre-season predictions last season. They either had Huddersfield to go down or be within the bottom six fighting relegation. And they finished third. They were the third best team in the league. And they were, um, they were as you pointed out, two, two bad decisions away from the Premier League. Um, and, he, and he's done that on a budget of, I don't know, must be a bottom six budget at Huddersfield. And he's done that with the hangover of, of, of bad spending in the Premier League and having to get high earners out of the club. He's done that with off-the-field issues with Phil Hodgkinson as well. Obviously, his businesses businesses went into administration. Huddersfield were very close to going into administration themselves before Dean Hall stepped up. So he delivered that last season under all of those circumstances. That's beside. Yeah, it's not even mentioning the budget that he's had to that he's had to play with, which is as as we've mentioned, not not much at all. So yeah, the job he did was was absolutely brilliant. He made defensive football look good. I think that's the, the 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 key thing to take out of it. He made defensive look football really really good to watch um, because it's, it's stereotyped as 11, uh, ten players behind the ball, um, four five one etc. No, but his teams had a right good go of it. They kept clean sheets, like it was, yeah, like they were they they were easy to do. That's what he made it look like. And yeah, the job that he did was spectacular. And I hope that Danny Schofield, who stepped up, can deliver something for Huddersfield. Well, it says a lot that as you were kind of alluding to, this time last year, we were very worried about Huddersfield, weren't we? Not just because of Corbrand's so-so first season in charge, Mm -hmm. but because Huddersfield just seemed to be on a one-way course to League One. But now I think he's left them in a great position, hasn't he? He's left them with a really good squad. The likes of Lewis O'Brien, for example, looks to be hanging around now and he was the best centre midfielder in the division for me last season. The likes of Harry Toffolo, quality left wing back. Defensively, really, really solid. There's a lot of good players now and all those players have benefited from the superb coaching that Corbran has done there. And that leads me very nicely on to Dennis Gofield, who has taken over from Corbran. He's been part of the coaching team at the John Smith Stadium. Thoughts on that one, Justin? It's an internal appointment, so it makes me 
wonder um, whether Huddersfield have the pull or the budget to to go for a manager. Obviously, with Corbrand leaving now, it leaves them unless there's there's managers free in the market. It leaves them. It, it makes it very difficult for them to go and get a manager from elsewhere. I know Liam Manning's been um, linked with the, the the role already, which will be a massive. Uh, well, statement, I think, from from Huddersfield. Whether or not they do that, I don't know. But yeah, Danny Schofield, it's an internal appointment. Um, I have my reservations about internal appointments. Steve Morrison is a good example. Um, so you, you can't really judge them until they have a full season. But for me, I would like to see a manager with with a bit more experience. And a, it's difficult to say because unless you give someone experience, it's hard for them to, to, to gain it. So you've got to give Danny Schofield some benefit of the doubt and give him an opportunity. Um, but at the same time, I'd like to see them go out and find someone who can take them to a similar level that Carlos Corbran did. I'm not sure if Danny Schofield can. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying because internal appointments seem to go one of two ways. And unfortunately, yeah. more often than not, they seem to go the wrong way. Having said that, we constantly ring the bell, don't we, for young English coaches to be given managerial roles. And Danny Schofield seems to be a very highly rated coach. Lee Bromby, who's head of football operations at Huddersfield, said Schofield had turned down a job at a top-flight European club earlier this summer, which I I thought was interesting. But he also said he's worked hard and earned the opportunity, which I'm all for. So fair play to him in that respect. Um, How it goes, who really knows? I think replicating what Corbran did last season is going to be very, very difficult. And I'm not really sure what Huddersfield's expectations will be for next Mm. season. I think if they manage a top-half finish, that would be a respectable season. Whether that happens or not, I'm not too sure. But they think he's ready for the job. Let's see how he does. There's not much we can really say on that until we actually see uh, what happens on the pitch, really, can we? Let's go to Birmingham City, Justin. They've appointed John Eustace as their new head coach. It's after the sacking of Lee Bowyer. This news came out hours after he put out last Sunday's news roundup, so it feels like we're a bit late to the party, <laughs> Justin. But what do you make of this move? I think it's a good move, uh, but it's only a good move if, if Birmingham City bring in the players who can um, uh, deliver what John Eustace will want on the pitch. Um, now, I mentioned, uh, I think, in, uh, in, in the weekday episode that... John Eustace obviously was he turned down the Swansea job last season before they went for Russell Martin, so that gives you the um, the indication that he's going to play a possession possession based brand of football. So, are Birmingham City set up to play that style of football right now? I don't think they are. You look at previous managers, Lee Bowyer, Ita Karanka, you know what? Uh, I can't even think of others. Gary Monk, Pep Clatet. They're not typical possession based managers. Um, so naturally recruitment has never leaned towards that um, so that makes me a little bit worried about what they can do but I don't think John Eustace is naive enough to jump straight into it he'll understand what he's got with the squad and he'll work with it because he's a good coach he's a switched on coach a very highly rated coach as well he's worked with the Ireland national team uh, and obviously he's been working at QPR for a long time now um, so I think it's, it's, a, it's a shrewd move but there needs to be a takeover hopefully not that person but there needs to be a takeover come in and just eradicate all the crap around Birmingham City so John Eustace can focus on getting a, his job done essentially without any issues that every previous manager's uh, suffered with Birmingham City. Yeah I definitely hear what you're saying about the style of play when you look at the strikers Birmingham have got at the time of recording Jukovic, Deeney, Hogan not the kind of strikers I would think suit a short passing style of play. Um, he did a respectable job 
at Kidderminster. He got a lot of praise for his style of play, but in terms of results, it didn't really work out. Then when he had the caretaker job at QPR, he didn't really get many plaudits there. And I don't think anyone was really urging QPR to appoint him as the permanent manager. So I think it's interesting. I think if you go back to what I was saying on Sunday's episode, that they'll have to go quite low down in the pecking order to recruit um, a manager. I think that's why they've appointed John Eustace, um, because he is seemingly quite keen to get back into management um, and I don't think he'd get another job at another championship club so I, I suppose it works out for him um, but he's got a big job on trying to save Birmingham from relegation because they're one of a handful of clubs who I'm very worried about heading into the new season but I'm willing to see how he does give him a chance because when you think about Harry Boss as a player he was always the kind of bloke I thought would end up being a good manager because first of all he's a holding midfielder I usually think holding midfielders are (laughs) um, quite set up to be uh, managers because they see the game from their position and you've got to be tactically switched on Um, and he's a leader on the pitch as well but how he will do as a head coach hmm, not sure because the Birmingham are squad is looking a bit weak in certain areas and certainly weak in terms of depth isn't it justin let's have a quick break after that we'll talk about all the transfers that have happened including at birmingham city for that matter and all the rest of the other clubs in the championship and any other business from the past seven days in the second team Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. We're talking about some of the news from the Championship over the past week. And it's now time for us to talk about transfers. As usual, these are just the confirmed deals. And Hull have signed ex-Fulham midfielder Jean-Michel Serry. The 30-year-old joins on a three-year deal after surprisingly being released from Craven Cottage a few weeks ago. Statement signing alert, Justin. What a move this is. I know, I'm really excited by it. I, I mean, I read a report last week saying that the move was taking too long, so Hull are moving elsewhere. Um, but Jean-Michel Serry, wow, what a what a statement signing. He's such, a, such an intelligent player, such a good passer of the ball, technically incredibly gifted and at a championship level. I think he would walk into every team in the league, potentially. I'd find it difficult not Fair to put him in. Yeah, I'd find it difficult not to put him in in any in any team. I mean, he played um, the majority of the games for the champions last season, uh, obviously Fulham. So yeah, it's, it's just a, a, an incredible signing, um, and, and fair play to Hull for pulling it off. Obviously, it's a statement of intent from Ilakali and Hull. They need to back it with a few more signings, but it's a really good start to to what we. Th- thought they might be doing in the transfer window this season if that makes sense well we all know about his pedigree don't we he was linked with Mm -hmm. Barcelona heavily linked (laughs) with Barcelona in fact I think he was on the verge of moving before it collapsed at the final moments Um, and that that was five years ago and then since then he's played for some top clubs in Europe and I think even when he was playing for Fulham last season we were still quite surprised that he'd be playing week in week out for Fulham because he is so technically Mm -hmm. gifted and now he's playing at Hull. And if you told a Hull supporter when they got relegated to League One that in a couple of years' time you'd be back in the Championship with Jean-Michel Serry in midfield, I think they would think you're living in dreamland. So <laughs> it's an unbelievable move from them. Um, I'm very excited to see how it all pans out. Obviously, as you say, you're absolutely right. Hull do need to sign 
other players. But in terms of, you know, actually getting the ball rolling with some big, big yeah. moves, this is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And um, as I was saying, it, it's, it moves him in a direction that I think a lot of teams will now sort of sit up upright at, in their chairs and go, OK, well, it's happening. They they mean a bit of business and they're going to be a contender this season. And um, that's really exciting for Hall fans. And it's really exciting for the rest of the division because hopefully there's a competitor for those teams coming down with parachute payments, not to throw shade on parachute payment teams but it's nice to see other teams competing up there however they do it well the new owners at Hull have been talking a lot haven't they about their ambitions for the club and it's nice to see them actually put the money where their mouth is let's see if they can keep it going over the next few weeks they've have been busy in the last few days in particular they've also re-signed Chelsea goalkeeper Nathan Baxter on loan someone I picked as Hall's key player next season in Thursday's episode uh, as well as forward LAR Syed Manesh, who was also on loan there last season. He joins on a permanent deal. He looks promising in spells, didn't mm-hmm. he? So it'll be interesting to see how much he plays for the Tigers next season. Sheffield United have reportedly spent more than £5 million on bringing Malmo defender Arnel Ahmed Adovic. Oh, Jesus Christ. I knew as soon as I wrote that down, it was going to be painful. Arnel Ahmed to Bremel Lane. The 23-year-old Bosnian international has signed a four-year deal and spent last season on loan at Bordeaux. Um, I'm not expecting you to be able to give me a, a full report on this guy, Justin, but in terms of spending £5 million on a young defender, looks an exciting move. Yeah, it does. And um, I think given that the balance of Sheffield United's defence as well, there's, there are some good centre-backs at Sheffield United, but they needed to bring in someone who has the ability to play out from the back and has has a good amount of experience playing at a decent level and obviously to, to shell out that much money on a defender who has played less than 100 career games. As I said, it's quite a statement of intent and yeah, he's, he's, he's capped by Bosnia as well, which, you know, they're not they're not a pushover nation by any means. They are a, they, they do have blessed footballers um, as well. So yeah, I think it's... It, it, an interesting signing. It's one to look out for for the coming season. Be interesting to how he fits in. If you look at the size difference between him and Jack, Jack O'Connor, obviously I know Jack O'Connor's been injured for a while, but he looks very buff um, in the preseason training videos um, compared to, I'm going to say now, Ahmed Hazic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ahmed Hazic <laughs> compared to him, they're, they're, they're two completely different sizes. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he fits into that Sheffield United back three. Tonk, as the kids would say. Um, but yeah, in terms of f- fleshing out the back three, they, at the time of recording, I think I'm right in saying they've only got Basham, Egan, Robinson, and maybe forgetting someone else there. O'Connell as oh, well. Connell, yeah. Easy to forget him. Um, so they needed extra men in the back three, didn't they? And uh, Basham's getting on a bit as well. So signing in a young defender obviously makes complete sense. They've also brought in Man City midfielder Tommy Doyle, who's um, joined on loan. Say it quietly, Justin, but... I think this could be one of the best signings of the window that will have been missed by fans of other clubs because he was absolutely phenomenal at Cardiff last season. He was one of the key reasons why they stayed up because prior to January, they looked pretty hopeless. And then they brought in Cardiff, this is, they brought in Doyle, Cody Drame as well. But Doyle in particular was outstanding. His passing range is absolutely unbelievable for someone who's only 20 years old. I mean, it says a lot about the 
strength and depth they've got at Man City that he's not getting a look in. But it wouldn't surprise me to see him playing regular Premier League football in a couple of years' time because he was really, really good for Cardiff last season, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was brilliant. We gave them a we gave him a lot of praise. Um, his ability to arrive in the box at the right times as well. He's, the intelligence for such a young player is is is, is incredible. Um, and what he brings to that Sheffield United midfield is is his legs, obviously creativity and the ability to score goals as well. So it'd be interesting to to see where they see him as an initial starter. But I think one thing that they needed was a younger cohort of players to come into that team and into that starting eleven. And give them give them legs as plainly to uh, you know, put it as plainly as possible. They need legs in that team. I know John Fleck is getting on a bit. Ollie Norwood's hitting his thirties as well. So yeah, getting getting younger players into this team has been vital. Uh, I, I think it's very vital for um, for Paul Hackingbottom for the coming season. Yeah, he's spot on, and this goes some way to filling the gap left by Morgan Gibbs White. Um, I think they'll also be looking to the likes of Ndai to try and fill that gap as well but this is without a doubt a really really exciting signing leads forward Tyler Roberts has joined QPR the 23 odd moves on a season long loan with an option to buy you a fan of that one Justin? I've been a big fan of Tyler Roberts for a long time um, and I think I know he's suffered with um, injuries injury problems quite quite often but it's it's been frustrating not to see him in the in the Leeds team more often he's a versatile player he's a technically gifted player and physically he's there as well um, it's just a case of making sure he stays fit because he's got the ability to score goals um, play with his back to goal he's, 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 he's a complete final third player um, if, if that makes sense because I don't really see him as a as a number 9 or a number 10 or a number 11 or a, or a wide player he's a complete final third player and he's, he's going to be such an important facet to that QPR uh, attack because you look at last season Andre Gray Charlie Austin both very similar in styles Lyndon Dykes big number 9 Tyler Roberts adds a much needed zest to that final third for QPR I could not believe he's still only 23 it feels like he's been around <laughs> yes, yes, so yeah, long <laughs> I thought he was getting towards his peak years um, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits into the team because when you consider they've got Chair Willock um, Dykes it's nice yeah w- where, where's he going to fit in though that's the, the only question I've got but only time will tell on that one won't it Here's a player leaving the championship, Justin. Swansea have sold midfielder Flynn Downs to West Ham for £12 million. How do you think he'll do in the Premier League, Justin? It's a, it's a, it's a difficult one. I like Flynn Downs a lot. Um, technically, he's, he's, he's brilliant last season. Um, but £12 million for a player who had one uh, outstanding season of championship football with Swansea, I don't really know. He's not exactly young in the sense he's not a 19, 20-year-old coming through. He's going to be 24 this season. So he's hitting his mid-20s. You know, he's, me and you both know it's a downward spiral from there. Um, so he, not, not for an athlete, I don't think. <laughs> um, so it's an interesting move. Um, it's a good deal for Swansea. I think I'll put it that way. It's a really good deal for Swansea. Yeah, I could definitely agree. It's a really good deal for Swansea. I think he's a very good player. Had a good season with Swansea last season. Not completely sure he's a Premier League player just yet. I think there are other championship players who West Ham could have got. It would have been better choices for me. Lewis O'Brien, a good example. Yeah. Um, but best of luck to him. We always loved seeing ex-championship players kicking it in the Prem. So hopefully it works out for him. I'm not completely 
sold yet, though. Um, well, in what could be seen as a like-for-like replacement, Joe Allen has returned to the club. The 32-year-old has signed a two-year deal with the Swans, Justin. Um, whether it's actually a good move or not, I'm not too sure, but it's always nice seeing players return back to the clubs where they made the name. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I'm just thinking about Swansea now, they made £12 million from Flynn Downs. Did they sell Joe Allen for about £15 million to Liverpool yeah. as well? So they've essentially made £27 million, brought Joe Allen back. I know it's in a roundabout way. It's a very good deal, very good deal for Swansea. Um, but yeah, he's, he's an experienced player. He's yeah, a high energy player. Whether or not he's still got that in him at 32, I don't, it remains to be seen. But Stoke fans were good to see him go. He's a, fan, he's a player that I like. He's a, a really good number eight. And he will add something slightly different because Matt Grimes, Flynn Downs, fairly similar players. Really struggled to see them fitting in the team at the same time at times. They did do that really well, but getting a number eight in there, getting a lot of energy in there, I think is going to help Swansea play slightly differently maybe next season. Carlton Morris has joined Luton. The striker moves for an undisclosed fee from Barnsley. Justin, I know you're a big Carlton Morris fan, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Again, I'm surprised more clubs haven't queued up for him. And this is, again, a massive statement of intent for Luton Town. Jesus Christ, £2 million. Um yeah, it's just nosebleed territory. When was the last time Luton signed a player for that much money? It's it's absolutely bonkers. Um, but they they've done that by good recruitment. They've got to that level by recruiting incredibly well and being efficient off the field. So they've been they've allowed themselves to be able to spend that sort of money. But Colton Morris, he's a complete number nine. He's so gifted with the ball at his feet. He's one of those number nines. So you look at the size of him and think. There's no way you can run as quick as you can with the ball, but there were times last season when he, when Barnsley played Derby, skin centre halves easily and got in behind. I think the only criticism you could give him sometimes was decision making, but probably that comes with needing to play more games, getting match fit and match sharp, not only on physically but also in the mind as well. But yeah, great player, really good player, really big signing. Yeah, he, he was one of the bright sparks in what was a fairly abysmal season for Barnsley last season, mm-hmm. wasn't it? But he's a real handful of a player. Um, his goal-scoring instinct seems to be getting better as well. So, really good move for Luton. I'm very curious to see who on earth plays up front for Luton next season because they had Adebayo and Cornick, who were the best striking duo in the division for me last season. Um, and now they've got Woodrow, Morris as well. I feel I feel like they've got someone else on the books as well. I'm just forgetting. So <laughs> how many how many strikers do you need, Luton? Come on now. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see who their main uh, striking duo is next season. Meanwhile, Luke Freeman has gone to Kenilworth Road after being released from Sheffield United. I, I, Justin, you made a big song wow, and dance, God. didn't you, about that? Being your best free agent signing. I could not agree less, but um, yeah, let's see how it goes. Romain Sawyers has moved to Cardiff. The midfielder's been a free agent after leaving West Brom. You chose him as a key player for Cardiff in Thursday's episode, didn't you, Justin? Mm-hmm. I think it's a very good signing. A midfield of Sawyers, Rinomota, looks tidy because I think the two of them will complement each other very well. I'm still very much of the belief that Cardiff need to bring in more talented players, though. More talented? The Romain Toys? No, I mean around the pitch. Oh, okay. More talented than Romain Toys, yeah, yeah. I was yeah say, that, that, that's what I mean. You heartless man. No, uh, I, I do agree. They do need to bring in a little bit more. Well, they need to bring in a lot more going forwards and, and, and creatively. But Romain Sawyers, it feels like they've built nicely defensively. Now the midfield, especially centrally, is sorted. 
hopefully they turn their attentions to the attack and they'll start to pick up some some players in in those positions. But Romain Sawyer's again for me, he's one of those players who surprised more clubs weren't in for him. He was so important to that Slavin Bilic team that won promotion with West Brom. His ability in possession is absolutely fantastic. His work off the ball as well can't go unnoticed. He does have a very high work rate. Played a long time for Brentford in their, I wouldn't really say their peak years, but in their years where they were making a lot of noise before they, before they, yeah, got very good. Um, so yeah, I think it's a top top signing at Championship level. He's a really really good midfielder. I really like it. Easy to forget, he was brilliant for West Brom, wasn't he, in the exactly. season they got promoted. So yeah. yeah, seems like a really steady signing. And I'm semi you surprised more players, more clubs weren't in for him. With regards to the rest of the squad, I've got plenty of concerns about the attack for Cardiff. I mean, who on earth is playing up front for them next season? I really, really don't know at the time of recording. Who's scoring the goals? Who's playing on the wings? I'm not totally convinced convinced about what the defence is going to be either, but uh, hopefully that'll be addressed in the coming weeks. Birmingham have finally got going in the transfer window. They've signed Norwich ringer, Premise Law, Placheta. Plahetta. I, I struggled with his name last time he was in the Championship. It's not getting any better now. Uh, and Wolves defender Dion Sanderson on loan. The latter spent the first half of last season at St. Andrews. Two surprisingly decent signings there for me, Justin. Yeah, they are. I, I, again, I was surprised that they were that Dion Sanderson chose to go to Birmingham. Because, I mean, it's, it's no disrespect, but they are in a bit. Of, they were in a bit of disarray. Um, and hopefully, John Eustace was. I, I, I'd imagine he played a big part in that signing. Obviously, he was at QPR last season for the second half of the season. But Deion Sanderson, Birmingham City defensively got a lot worse in the second half of the season than they were in the first half of the season. I'm not saying that's just down to Deion Sanderson, but he was a big factor because he was a massive loss to that defence. He's versatile, can play it right back. Right side of a, a back three, I think, is his best position um, as well. He's a player that I like and, and play at a, yeah, very quick winger. Adds a much needed pace into that Birmingham team because I don't know who they've got that is quick anymore. Um, so, yeah, it's a really good signing. Work, uh, hard-working player as well. So, again, two really good signings from Birmingham I didn't see much from him in a Norwich shirt to really get a grasp of how good a player he is. Mm. So maybe that's something we'll get more of an answer to in It'll a Birmingham hungry. shirt when he's playing more often because that was the main thing. He didn't really play much either. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Meanwhile, Ivan Sonic has left Birmingham to go on loan to Hertha Berlin. He joined them three years ago for six million quid. And unfortunately, looks like he's going to be a key example of how bad Birmingham's recruitment has been in recent years. But we'll leave that one there. Burnley have paid an undisclosed fee for midfielder Samuel Bastien. The 25-year-old midfielder was at standard age and has been described as high energy by Vincent's company. Meanwhile, Vout Veghorst has left Turf Moor to go on loan to Beshik Tass. Never before have I seen a player show less enthusiasm about playing in the championship. Every single interview he's done, he's essentially said, nope, not playing in that league. Um, so I, I don't think many Burnley fans will be too worried about him heading out the door. Get it gone. Yeah, get out of here, mate. Millwall have signed defender Charlie Cresswell on loan from Leeds. It's been reported that midfielder Jamie Shackleton is also leaving Ellen Road to go to the den. Um two signings that Justin Peach appears to be a fan of judging from his facial expression just then meanwhile 16 year old Zach Lovelace is departing Millwall to go to Rangers he became the second youngest player in the club's history when he made his debut last season Millwall are said to be fuming that he's gone they've released a statement saying they're disappointed and saddened by the move having worked tirelessly over many months to convince him to stay that and his family and his representatives as well um, they've risked him luck with his career though you're getting into the debate here aren't you about whether 
we should be doing more <laughs> to stop big clubs poaching youngsters. Um, it's going to be a debate that goes on for quite some time, I think, Justin. Yeah, this it's the issue. It's an issue with agents as well, and the advice they give to young players, young unassuming players who will hang off the advice of of people who are no disrespect to them, or maybe actually who just want to make money off of them um, because that's the incentives that they've got. If they get a big move, they get a big wedge of, of cash from the from the buying club. Um, I think the same thing has happened with Lee Buchanan and Derby. The advice he's been given, he's gone to Werder Bremen, um, ripped up his contracts, he's gone to, to, to tribunal. Yeah, the advice these young young players get, I think, is, is really poor. And it's something that, again, is a bit like football in uh, in, in the UK, is, is unregulated and it's something that needs to be regulated because... You you hopefully avoid these these situations where kids get bad advice and sometimes it can it can go wrong as it has done with with plenty of youngsters. Yeah, but at the same time, I think you can also say that you know he'll probably be getting paid more at Rangers than he would at Millwall. So when you think about it, if, if his career doesn't pan out, then this is the chance for him to get a payday to some yeah, extent but, but at the same time I can completely understand what you're saying that he's probably going to get more game time at a Millwall than he would a Rangers so hmm. I can see both sides of the argument really um, but Millwall have every right to be annoyed I don't think you can really do much though if yeah. an in a player's ear yeah but as well as that it's, it's the old SBL championship debate again is, is the SBL the best place for a young player to develop um, over the championship you only have to look at the amount of players that have played in the EFL who are now in the England squad who are now in international squads the amount of players that were in the EFL who went to the um, Euros last, last year with, with Wales for example it's, it's, there's a pathway um, in the championship but unfortunately players um, people get in the, the ears of young players and um, gives, give them I would say bad advice Huddersfield have brought in midfielders David Kasumu from MK Dons and Conor Mahoney 22 year old Kasumu he, he was in and out of the team at Stadium MK last season I, f- I feel like it's a really strange sign in that one well Mahoney was a free agent after being released from Millwall two very alright then signings <laughs> I'm guessing Justin Mahoney, I was a bit. I raised my eyebrows. I thought Mahoney might drop down to to League One to to get some game time because Millwall fans were happy to see him leave. He didn't light things up in a Millwall shirt at all. We were all hoping he would. Never happened for him. Kasumi, however, I, I do rate that signing quite a lot because um, he's he's a young player with plenty of potential um, that is going to get the opportunity to do that in a system that I think will suit him as long as Schofield resembles what Corbyn wants to achieve and it brings some much needed youth into that midfield as well for for Huddersfield um, but no I, I'm a big fan of the Kasumi signing uh, and as well as that last season Lee Nichols um, there might be some, a couple of other players Jordan Rhodes we raised eyebrows um, but actually they turned out to be very good signings I, I, hopefully you'd, you'd hope that it's the same with these two Hmm. We'll see. Speaking of very all right then signings, Preston have signed Robbie Brady and former Liverpool wonder kid Ben Woodburn. They were both free agents. Anything on those two, Justin? I think Robbie Brady's a really good signing. Again, if he's a player that can stay fit, I imagine he'll play left wing back. Um, that's a really exciting one. Set of pieces. We all know the quality of that left foot is, is, is brilliant. Ben Woodburn, it's a one-year deal. It's a low-risk signing. Um, and... Ryan Lowe and the, the Liverpool links, um, I think that might help Ben Woodburn or get the best out of Ben Woodburn because he's never been a player who um, has, has been labelled as a sort of a prima donna, big ego sort of thing. It's just not quite happened for him. So him going to 
to Preston under tutelage of Reiner, I think is a shrewd move, and he's a very versatile forward as well. Gives gives Preston a lot of options. Yeah, Robbie Brady. I say it's an all right then signing because he was at Bournemouth last season. I thought that was a good signing for Bournemouth at the time, but then he barely ever played, even when they were crying out for someone to fill the left back role when Jordan Zamora got injured, but he just didn't do it. Um, so whether the injuries that he was suffering when he was in a Burnley shirt have caught up with him, I'm not too sure. So I'm not really sure about that move. Woodburn, yeah, you may as well give him a go because we were expecting plenty from him, weren't we, when he was a mm-hmm. when he was a young lad. His career hasn't really panned out that way. So why not give him a go? They did the same with Izzy Brown and Connor Wickham last season, didn't they? They didn't work out, but it's fairly low risk, isn't it, when it's one year. Rotherham have secured the signature of Cameron Humphreys on a three-year deal. He's a 23-year-old defender who's playing for Zulta Wergen in Belgium last season. Reading have loaned him with Forest midfielder Tyrese Fauna for the season and 20-year-old French goalkeeper Stefan Bajic has gone to Bristol City on a three-year deal. Any other business, Lawrence Bassini has promised to win the league with Birmingham City if he becomes the owner of the club. Speaking to TalkSport, he revealed he's bid £30 million to buy Blues and miss on going takeover rumours. He's being backed by West Ham co-owner David Sullivan and has said he'll clear all of Birmingham's debts. Always worth mentioning that in the past he's been banned from football for three years and declared bankrupt twice. Uh, This interview, Justin, was just embarrassing, wasn't it? And if I was a Birmingham City fan, I would not be listening to that, getting very excited about the future of the club. I'd be terrified. I'd be absolutely terrified of the future of my football club any owner who is as vocal as um, Lawrence Bassini is and says this thing uh, says the things that he does doesn't mean them he doesn't mean them he's, he's trying to get it's a PR trip and it's it's they do this because they know that they don't have the money to back them up so they try and get the fans on their side and they try and get the fans to ramp up pressure to the sellers um, to, to do a deal with them and that's the only way they can do it because um, they think the cards in their hands, but they they don't they don't have that. Lawrence Bassini is a is a charlatan. He's a he's a man who likes to make as much noise as possible. But when it comes to actually doing what he needs to do, he doesn't do it. Bolton are a really good example of that. And you only have to. There's a really good write up. Um, I think it was from a, a Bolton supporter on the issues with with Lawrence Bassini. Um, so yeah, look, it, there's not much else that needs to be said about him because he said it all in his interview. He's an absolute tool. Should be nowhere near football. It's hard to disagree, really, isn't it? <laughs> um, when you've got your potential new owner challenging talk sport presenters to boxing matches, is it's not what you want to hear. I feel like Birmingham supporters are smart enough to know that this guy isn't the answer mm. to their problems. And Birmingham, they don't they they don't want another owner. Exactly. They, they they just want an owner who is calm, cool, and collected, and just gets on with things. Not a flamboyant owner who's making the headlines for things that he's saying. I mean, if if you're an owner and you're flamboyant, then that's absolutely fine. But Birmingham don't need that. They need strong and stable. And that's not what you get in with Lawrence Bassini, particularly because of, you know, his past doings with being declared bankrupt twice and being banned from football in the past. And then the interviews that he's doing are just awful. Awful, awful, awful. So, yeah, hopefully that doesn't go through. Surely he shouldn't be passing the fit and proper test on these interviews alone, let alone the fact that he's been declared bankrupt in the past and been banned from football for three years. But 
Unfortunately, I, I don't really know what, what's going on with the uh, future of this takeover anymore. Speaking of Birmingham City, progress on repairs to St Andrews have apparently slowed in recent weeks. The club has released a statement saying that once further information can be made available, you'll be updated. Currently, issues out of our control are preventing this from being possible. The club didn't have any supporters in two sections of stands throughout last season. So, yeah, not only are they potentially mm. being taken over by this guy, the stadium is still half broken, which isn't great, is it? Let's move on from Birmingham. Justin Burnley have appointed Craig Bellamy as Vincent Company's number two. The pair also worked together at Andelect. Strangely, quite a highly rated coach, isn't he? Which, the reason I say it's strange is because he didn't really come across as a player who I thought would go on to be a good coach, but fair play to him. Yeah, he's, he's made a, a pretty good coaching career out for himself. And I think every time the cars job comes up, Cardiff fans are brimming for him to uh, to get the role, uh, the head coach role there. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a good appointment. Obviously, they played together. Um, and obviously, Craig Bellamy was very early on in that process with Manchester City. He was a really talented player, very passionate. Um, but as I say, he's, he's turned a, a decent career for himself as a coach. So it'll be interesting to to see how, how they progress now. But it's good that company has been able to make these appointments because that's one of the, the not, not issues, but one of the um, worries I had was that his coaching staff was delayed, but now that's resolved, which is a massive plus for, for Burnley. They can they can look forward and get get sorted for the season. It is worth saying Bellamy has been pictured at the Burnley training ground for a number of weeks yeah. now, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's only just been announced per, uh, for some reason. I don't really know the reasons behind that, but there you go. Reading have written to the other 23 championship clubs to say, if you cap away tickets for our fans at 20 quid, then we'll do the same for your fans. Three clubs have taken them up on that offer so far. They are Blackburn, Cardiff and Huddersfield. A nice initiative from the Royals, Justin. I think they've done similar in the past, so fair play to them. No, it's a really good initiative. And if I was the... Um... If I was a, a an owner of any any of the other clubs, I'd snap their hands off because it just makes sense. Yeah, we've, we're in a cost of living crisis at the minute. Everything's expensive. Fuel, Jesus Christ! I put twenty quid in my car the other day, and I think I got about eight or nine liters, which was made me cry. And so, getting to away games is going to be <laughs> getting to away games is going to cost even more money. So, capping tickets to subsidise some of the costs, I think, is a really good move and a really smart move as well because. You get you get more fans coming to the grounds. It's more income for the home for the home team. It's as simple yeah. as that. Everyone everyone spare a thought for Justin Peach and his Derby <laughs> away days next season when they've got Plymouth, oh God, Exeter, yeah. Forest Green, Bristol Rovers. Yeah, there's a lot of trips that are <laughs> quite lengthy for Justin. Um, I, I think it's a really good initiative. Reading haven't obviously the, the hierarchy there haven't made many good steps in recent years, but this is a nice one that they've done. So, yeah, fair play to them and it is quite timely as well after I saw the Fulham ticket prices for their first oh, game God, of the yeah. season which were absolutely disgraceful but yeah, I suppose it's not surprising in football anymore is it? And then just finally the government has confirmed championship clubs will be allowed to introduce safe standing areas at football stadiums from the start of the new season. Cardiff and QPR are amongst the first clubs which will offer it to home and away fans. Cardiff took part in a trial of it in the second half of last season. Quite exciting really isn't it Justin? I'm very excited to see how safe standing works and whether it does have this promised improvement in atmosphere that many people have been 
uh, many supporters of it, I should say, have been uh, talking about for quite some time. But there we go, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a news roundup of everything that's been going on in the Championship from the second tier over the past seven days. We'll be back again on Thursday to give you part two of our episode, which we delivered on Thursday, where we picked a key player for each Championship side heading into next season. So you've got that to look forward to on Thursday. And then we'll have another news update coming up in seven days' time. But until then, have a good week. We'll be back again on Thursday. And this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you.